0: Today I'm going to minister um, on what it means to be born again. Uh, I don't preach a lot about that, uh, but I was just feeling I want to minister on that, that we can understand it. And just what Jesus Christ meant in John three sixteen when He said, you know, that uh, those that believe upon Him will have eternal life, and explaining the whole thing about the, 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 the snake that was on the pole in the desert. So it's going to be an awesome message. I'm really looking forward to this. Um, so, yeah, I want to just... Uh, open this up by reading a verse (coughs) in Luke 4 verse 16. 16. And he came to Nazareth. This is Jesus, um, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it's written, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. This is what Jesus was actually saying about himself. He said... The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the year of God's acceptance. Isn't that beautiful? to preach the year of God's acceptance. So here Jesus comes, and He says these things. And then in verse 21, he said, he said this, and He began to say unto them. So He read this, that verse, then He started to preach. He says, this day, uh, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. So 2,000 years ago already, when Jesus was on the earth, He said, this is the year where I declare the acceptance of man, that God accepts man, that man never has to feel rejected, that man never has to feel that any of his works, any, any of his deeds, any of the sins of his fathers, his sins, or anything can ever uh, bring uh, put rejection in God's heart towards you. It's a time of acceptance. And uh, the most wonderful thing about Jesus, and this is what we are thinking of, We are thinking of the day when He died and when He rose again in newness of life where the old man, the man that was righteous by works died and where Christ was risen and the new man, the man that is uh, um, righteous because of the obedience of Jesus on behalf of everybody and not our own obedience, stood up went and sat in the Godhead as a human being and that human Jesus is the doorway for every human into the kind of fellowship that there is between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit there's no slavery between the Father and the Son there's no uh, the, God the Father is the boss and the Son must just you know do everything right for the Father it's like the one guy prayed <laughs> this, apparently this really happened it was in the northern Cape somewhere there was a Lillica dr- a very big drought Lillica drought a very big drought okay so so uh, um, And they went to church to pray for rain. So the guy stood up in his ignorance and he prayed. He said, Oh God, we ask that you will come down and help us because it's very dry. But don't send your son. Come yourself. This is a very big drought. You know. So so this this needs God himself. I mean the Father is a bit higher, you know. It's like... It's like the, the, the big boss with the smaller boss and then the Holy Spirit, we don't know who He is. He's a dove. Um, where, where he talks about God's personality, who He is, His person, and this wonderful fellowship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that is what we've been called into. Uh, Jesus doesn't sit there um, as a slave of the Father. And the Father is not a slave uh-huh. of the Son. They are both um, basically occupied with the value of the other one in the Holy Spirit. And from there they've got fellowship, and that's what Christ has called us into—that wonderful fellowship—to have a life born from that revelation. It's so far apart from typical religious, um, uh, uh, keeping God happy, kind of a life. You know, God's going to come to give us a new life, and this is what Jesus said. He said here, "The spirit of the Lord God." Let, now let's just change the word "spirit" with with the word "attitude." Um, the attitude of God is upon me because He has enabled me to preach good news to the poor you know the Jewish people they believe that if you poor you cursed he says I've come to tell the poor you're not cursed that, that money showed in the Old Testament that you're rejected by God but I want to tell you money will never have the power again to disqualify you never again you're accepted by God this is what Jesus why? because God's attitude was on Jesus Nobody could see God's attitude unless Jesus came and portrayed God's attitude. Isn't that beautiful? Hallelujah, man! <laughs> That's good news. Now, um, before we're going to get into the to, to the worship, we're just going to do one song um, that we we're going to sing about the Lamb of God, and then at the end we're going to just listen to one one song again about the Lamb of God because we want to focus on the Lamb that died for us and rose again and what He did for us. Um, I want to just pray for a lady. Um, you know that that wrote this letter. I think she's from the U.S. I'm not sure, Carolyn. And uh, I was just thinking to share this here and to pray for for her as well over the uh, over the web. We've we've asked her. She said it's okay. We can do it. So um, this is uh, um, what happened with her. And I'm just going to read a little bit of it. She said um, she said You see, I left the Lord in my early 20s when it was prophesied over me that I would always suffer. Have suffering as my portion. This led to the revelation that uh, of Jesus, that God's school of hard knocks would qualify me for whatever job God has for me when Jesus returns. That was prophesied over her, and then because of that prophecy, she left the Lord. She says, "I don't want to serve this God." Okay. Now, to make a long story short, she she got married. Um, oh uh, her father this is what happened her her father when her mom died her mom left her two million dollars then her father somehow got a hold of that money and wasted it on his second and third wife so she got nothing then when she got married her husband has now taken everything she had in the house that she inherited and gave it to his daughter so she to her to, sorry, to his mother. So that he's, he's even got, he, he's, he's even got she, she's got nothing. You know? And what happened here, and, and Carolyn, this is what I believe what happens is, this, this, and she asked that we can pray that this thing can be broken over life. But you can just see, and this is what I want to come down to, why I want to share this with, with you guys and with everybody watching, is people, <coughs> when a word like that is prophesied over you and you believe it, I want to explain the effect of it. If if that didn't have, in Karen's life, it had an effect because she wanted to leave the Lord. Uh, Yeah, she she left God. So it was something that she was carrying all the time in her heart because if God's like that, and then your subconscious mind in some way, although with your cognitive mind you reject it, you start to look for the negative things that happen in your life so you can have this testimony one day. And then because of such a wrong word, your heart does not allow the good to come to you and when somebody wants to do something bad towards you you're not going to stand up you're not going to say I don't allow this mm-hmm. you know, I don't allow you to take my money you know, you're not taking my stuff giving it to your mom no way imagine if I want to take my wife's stuff and give it to my... M- oh yeah you see this Mark? <laughs> I was beaten So, you know, if a pastor has got a mark on his face, it's always because he was drunk, you know, or he was in a fight. So you decide what it was. <coughs> no, it was, they were watching a movie in the house, and we've got like a kind of an open plan thing, in our, you know, we watched the movie, so they put all the lights off because of the pro- projector, and uh, so I couldn't see, and I walked into a door that was half open, so that's what happened. So. Okay, thank you. Is that a good story? Amen. So, I mean, imagine I would try and take Helena's stuff and give it to my mom. It's not going to work. Why? Because inside her is a self-worth that says that God can give me something. Welcome, guys. God can give me something. I'm worth this. You know, this can be given to me. But when you're in a place where your subconscious mind starts to believe that hard times is going to give me this big testimony, and that's maybe how I'm going to be used, used by God, your heart will not allow the good, you will allow the bad, because of that word. And the only way that can be broken, is by hearing the true gospel, okay, believing the true gospel. And then in a situation like this as well, like with Carolyn, we can agree with you in prayer and declare that this is broken over your life, and that you can go and walk in in a a, a victory. You can go and walk in in this righteousness, and this can end because your heart allows good to come to you. You know, belief is not, God doesn't need your faith. You need your faith. God's got enough faith. You know, God doesn't, um, it's like, I believe, you know, or let me put this God believes that He's taken away your sin in Jesus. But the moment you believe that God is a good God that's taken away your sin, then you can experience what He's done. So He doesn't need your faith, you need your faith. It's like, um, if you want to go and get married, you will not marry somebody that you cannot believe in because your heart will not allow you to marry someone that you don't believe in. You need to believe in that person in order to marry that person. So the moment you can believe in him or in her, then your heart will allow you to commit your whole life to that person. In the same way with the gospel of Jesus, the moment we can believe in him because we see he's a good God, a God that loves, then our heart allows us to make use of what he's done for us. But with a word like this, let me just read it again. This is shocking, man. (laughs) You see, I left the Lord in my early 20s when it was prophesied of me that I will always suffer as my portion. My goodness. Yes, it's from the devil. And in her 20s, here comes a big man of God prophesying over this lady that she will always have suffering as a portion. This led to a revelation of Jesus that God's school of heart knocks would qualify me For whatever job God has for me when Jesus returns. So I will only have something good from God. This is what she said. That word eventually gave her a revelation that you will, you know, have to suffer to have a testimony. What a lie. Where the Bible says here in Luke 4 that he has come, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news. That's not good news. So Karen, we as a congregation you are going to agree with you and um, we declare this is broken of your life 2,000 years ago already but as from today we stand in agreement with you as you believe upon the truth in Jesus and you are set free from this lie and the effect it has upon your heart uh, that you can believe as from today rest your mind in the integrity of God concerning you in blessing you, helping you, caring for you and um, the, the, the Word of God doesn't say suffering is our portion. It says that Jesus is our portion. You know, victory is our portion. Joy, righteousness, love, the Holy Spirit is our portion. A good life. That's what God has come to give us. Amen. Let's agree. Father, I want to thank you that as a congregation here, uh, we stand together and we pray for Carolyn. And as I read this, and it just shocked my heart to just see how people suffer because of a wrong gospel I thank you, Lord, that this passion that rose in my heart and in the hearts of the people here that I can see, because of your victory, from that passion we can pray and stretch forth our hands and we can say, Carolyn and anybody that is even present here or watching via the web, be it now or in 20 years from now, you watch this message, if such a word has been spoken over you, I declare it's a lie, it is not the truth of God, it's not the good news, it is the enemy that wants to get you into a life of suffering. And God declares, not just by words, but by the resurrected Jesus, that every curse has been broken over your life. You're not under the curse of suffering anymore. You're under the power of God's blessing, the power of a brand new life, being born from God, having God's quality of life. I declare that over you, Carolyn, in the mighty name of Jesus, and you are blessed. And everybody that watches this, that had the same word over them, it is all canceled because of the new belief in Jesus, as you rest your mind in the truth of what Christ has done, it is over. Amen and amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Um, So if we can realize that our value, uh, He was worthy. So when we sing, worthy is the Lamb, then we are saying, He was the one that had enough worth to restore man to His original place. And His original place was to be seated with God in the Godhead in the Trinity. <laughs> it is too high for it's like T B. Joshua would say it this way, it's too lofty for a carnal mind. And that's what John three is all about when talk about being born again. You know, where he says you will not understand the gospel. Nicodemus, you will not understand unless you're born again. You know, so uh, he tried to explain to Nicodemus, but he knew Nicodemus would understand nothing because Nicodemus was born from the law. He was not born from God. And he says, if you can be born from me, then you'll start to understand all these things we're busy with. So um, w- when, when we can realize and uh, you know, that, that God has come to restore man to his original place, you know, in the Godhead, it changes our whole perception of the Bible. It changes everything, how we read and see stuff. Because we've always been so uh, focused on, you know, uh, um, just keeping God happy. And that is not what the gospel is about. The gospel was all about God making a man, Adam, and I I like the way the Bible says it, and God made man, um, male and female made he them. So, God knew, even from the beginning, that man is a being that will function the way God functions, which is a relationship-orientated being. So, from the beginning, He said, man will have to have the ability to have someone of his kind to fellowship with, because that's how he is in himself. And Father, Son, and Holy Spirit sat there in heaven, and and they said, this fellowship we have is so good. This family life is so good. Let us make someone that we can adopt into this family that they can also enjoy this quality of life. And He said, let us make a man. And He made man, gave him His Spirit. So if it's Father, Son, and Spirit, and the Spirit is in Man, where's man seated? He's seated right there in the Godhead to have the quality of life that's possessed by God. It's called eternal life. It is unending, if you want to call it in time, it's unending, but to me it speaks more of a kind of life, a quality of life which is unending. Isn't that awesome? Eternal life, given as a free gift, to man. That's, that was, <clears throat> you know, the, the, the Bible says it this way, it says, and God blessed Adam and said, be fruitful and multiply. So what did he do? He made Adam. After he made Adam, God blessed Adam. Now, to bless means to, to kneel down in adoration and to speak well. So the first thing, the first view that Adam had, this is just something that's in my mind, the first view he ever had of God was God standing, uh, standing down, blessing him. And because that is the platform from where we start our relationship with God, is how God serves us by giving us his quality of life called eternal life. So we cannot have His kind of life outside of Him giving birth to that kind of life in us by His Holy Spirit. And that is where the whole message of being born again comes from. Born again through so many years was a message where, we, where it was basically just a, um, a fire escape out of hell. You know, where people were scared of hell and because they, or you, they make you scared of hell by the preaching and then say you must be born again and then you decide you're born again today. You know, that is, uh, that's not John 3. John 3 talks about something completely different. When Jesus spoke about John 3, in John 3 about being born again, He was talking about Him being a man seated in the heavens with the Father you know he said the son of man which is in heaven we're going to read that now is talking to you I am from above I am sent from the father but I'm a human being and you need to be born again the Greek it doesn't say born again it says be born from above Nicodemus you need to be born from me that's what he was actually saying then you'll understand what I'm doing then you'll then you'll see the kingdom of God you'll experience the kingdom of God you'll enter the kingdom of God because you need to be born from me so, so what he was actually saying Jesus knew that the union he had with the Father even in John 17 he said Father I pray that they can be one with us as we are one how's the Father and the Son one they in the Trinity they one in quality of life in kind of being, they are one. And this was the desire in the heart of the Son, born, that desire was born from the Father, and this was the desire that every human being will be in that union that He has with the Father, that they will walk in that union. My goodness, that is so far separated from trying to obey the Ten Commandments to get God to smile over your life and bless you with a business deal. My goodness! <laughs> so when we start to look uh, look at this, and we look at John 3:16 and, and and John 3 from verse 3, talking about being born again, we're back actually going out with a completely different message. Now there's different uh, uh, views on this, and I'm just going to touch on one of them, um, where people believe that the whole world is born again. Others, again, has got the fire escape theology, where it says, no, you must. Uh, you, you better be born, be born again, in other words, commit your life to Jesus and start to live right, you know, otherwise God cannot bless you, you know, that's the other view. But when we look at what Jesus' his real intent was that we can come to the revelation of who He is, believe upon that, and then have the quality of life possessed in the Trinity. Amen. That is it. It gives you a new life. I remember the first time I didn't, you know, I didn't understand all these things. And this is what I like about the Apostle Paul. We need need, need to see this. The Apostle Paul, he heard about people that received Jesus. Okay? He heard of their faith, that they believed upon Jesus. Then he prayed for them, that they will understand. So the first thing that happens is you believe upon the Lord. And after you believed upon the Lord, then you find understanding comes. You first believe that there was a man who took away all my sin. You believe there is a man that can save you. That's it. I call upon Jesus. I call upon my innocence. When you believe upon that, you receive a brand new life in a moment. I remember when I received it, everything changed for me. I I couldn't normally read the Bible. It didn't make sense to me. I didn't want to read the Bible. I hated reading the Bible. I didn't want to go to any church. The things of God didn't interest me. But I was at a gospel outreach where a man preached and he said, Listen, you can receive Jesus as your Savior. So I said, well, if I look at my life, I need a Savior. And I call upon Him to save me, to save me from my sins, to save me from the destruction in my life. I need a new life. That's all I did. I believed upon Him. And His Holy Spirit came and gave me a new life. I didn't understand a lot of scriptures. I didn't understand anything, basically. From there, I went home. um, And on that, uh, that Sunday, after church, I started to read the Bible. The Monday, the Tuesday, the Wednesday, I would read the Bible for an hour a day, two hours a day, just study out the Scriptures, you know, um, sit there in my room, read Bible. And whatever I read was like making sense. You know, it started, things started to open up. Now this I say in explanation of John 3.16. Let me read it from my notes. I've put some nice stuff in there. Um... I'm going to just read from John 3, and with this, the, as I've explained it now, we're just going to look at it in the verse here. Um, if you read John 3 from verse 1, it says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Now, when it starts say, There was a man, it doesn't say, you know, One day there was a man. What it was actually talking about is the context of chapter 2. Chapter 2, um, the Bible says there were many that believed in Jesus because of the miracles he did. There was a man amongst them that believed on Jesus because of the miracles he did, was a man. His name was Nicodemus. He came by Jesus, he came to Jesus by night. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher that come from God, for no man can do these miracles that you do except God be with him. Now in chapter 2 you will see, the Bible says that many believed on him because of the miracles, but Jesus did not commit himself to them. For he knew what was in a man. So all they did was, they just believed, well this guy must be from God, you know, because he can do miracles. But they never believed that he could take away their sins. They didn't believe the gospel. You know, so, so then Jesus said he didn't commit himself to them for he knew what was in man for, for what will happen if, when Jesus prays for somebody, he gets healed and a week later he's sick now. Then they will not believe in him anymore. Because that also happened. Jesus went to the one man and said to him after healing him, said to him, go and sin no more lest something worse happen to you. Okay. now there's a whole explanation of that what he was actually saying is don't go and live in unbelief concerning who I really am and who you really are because that will destroy your life so that's what he was saying but if they look at it from the outside and I've seen it so many times you can, you can I, I've been to outreaches you pray for somebody he gets healed he throws away his crutches he starts to walk there he walks for three or four days or a week um, I remember there was a lady that I prayed for I still got a picture of her in, my, uh, in our living room there Uh, when I was in Zambia where she had she was born twisted you know twisted up her back was like her legs was like that and her upper body was like that and she was walking with these two crutches like an animal you know like that so I prayed for her my friends were there with me with a video camera they took it they took pictures of her we witnessed the miracle she walked to be baptized okay and and, and the baptismal place is about two kilometers in the thick sand (laughs) in western Zambia she walked there, she got baptized, she got into the church and then six months later she was sick again so if people believed in me or in the gospel because of that miracle what would they have believed after she got ill again? They, they will, because it's a testimony about the miracle it's not a testimony of what Jesus has done and who he is and who he really is Amen so which I don't have time to go into in depth now but amongst them there was a man Nicodemus and this Nicodemus guy came to Jesus by night and uh, he said to Jesus and, and I believe he came by night because he was scared of all the Jews they didn't wanna, he was a rabbi he, he was a big teacher so he came and uh, a Pharisee and uh, he didn't want people to see that he goes to the house of Jesus. Because he can be persecuted for that. Listen to what Jesus said to him. In other words, this guy wants to have more knowledge about Jesus and what he's done. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, or truly... Now, if Jesus says, verily, verily, it means you need to pay attention. I say unto you, except a man be born from above... He cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered very, very, I say unto you, Except a man be born of water and the Spirit, that water doesn't talk about baptism, Um, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So, he comes to Nicodemus, he says to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, let me tell you something. There's two births on this earth. There's a birth that is from the flesh, and there's a birth that's from the spirit. Now, we know that there's a fleshly birth, a normal, a physical birth. Um, I believe Jesus didn't die for the demons to get saved, but for humans. He didn't become a demon. Jesus became a human. To die for the humans and take away the sin of the human beings is a hell prepared for the devil and his angels. But for he died for us. So you have to be a human being. Plus, you know, or if you're physically born, with the the Jewish people here, they thought that if they were physical Jews, they were saved. Then he said, "Listen, if you're born from the flesh, if you are born, if you think you are uh, saved because or a child of God because you're a Jew, you're not." What's born of the flesh is flesh. What's born of the spirit is spirit. Now, let's quickly look at what is born of the flesh. Uh, Galatians 4, from verse 22, it says, For it's written that Abraham had two sons, one of the bondmaid and the other of the free woman. But he that was from the bondwoman was born after the flesh. So Abraham had two sons, Ishmael and Isaac. Ishmael was born after the flesh, but Isaac after the promise. So he said to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, if you're born from the flesh of the bondwoman, of the law, in other words, if you've got a good holy life, but the law is your father, I want to tell you, you need to be born again. You're born from the flesh. You're not born from God. You're born from your willpower to try and serve God and be righteous before God. The life you possess today is not God's kind of a life. You need to be born again. Here comes Nicodemus, born from the flesh, born from the will of a man, born from the law. He's a Pharisee. Jesus said to the Pharisees, to get a little deeper into being born of the flesh, He said to the Pharisees, You are of your father the devil. What does that mean? The Pharisees, the typical religious leaders of that day, the people that tried to get everybody to do right according to the law of Moses, he said to the, the typical preacher of that day, he said, you are actually born of the flesh. you born from Hagar. Now say that to a Jew today, he will kill you, man. Even then, you don't say that. You born from Hagar, you born after the flesh The life you possess, the father is willpower The real father is actually the devil For from the beginning he brought in the system that says Be, Have life by knowledge of right and wrong Eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil From this tree you will have a good life A life like God's life If you have that and you do it You will have God's kind of a life He said to Nicodemus, you are of that life You are of that kind of a life. You are born from Hagar. The Bible says in the beginning, uh, um, uh, uh, God said to Satan, He said, I'll bring enmity between your seed and her seed. He will bruise your head and you'll bite him on the heel. Okay? So there's two kinds of seed. The Bible says, and a sower went and sowed some seed. And some fell on the road, some fell on the, uh, um, you know, in, in the stony places, some fell. And then Jesus comes and he explains the parable. He says, that seed is the word. Okay? Then the, the next parable in, jo- in, in uh, um, I think it's in Matthew 13. The next parable, here he comes and this is what he says. He says, there was a guy who went and sowed some good seed. And then an enemy came and sowed bad seed. So there's a good word and there's a bad word. He said to Satan in the beginning, I'll bring enmity between your word and the word that will come forth from the woman. Your word will always bite people in the heel. Okay, talking the bite is always in the walk. Have you done right? Have you done good? Do you walk right? It's all about right and wrong. But you, the word of God, will bruise the head of the serpent, What does that talk about? The serpent's head was his thought pattern. What he was thinking. The serpent was thinking that man can be like God. And that's what he tried to explain to Adam and Eve. You can be like God by eating of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's the word. The word of the Satan, the thought pattern of Satan was, You are like God. You'll be a partaker of the kingdom of God. You'll be a partaker of the Hebrew word, which means the reign of the Messiah, by obeying all all the laws that was the word that the, the, the Pharisees believed Jesus said the life you have today born from that word is called born from the devil we always think it's the guy who used drugs that's born from the devil he was talking about the religious leaders here being born from the devil then he said to, to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, I want to tell you, the life that you possess today is born from willpower. It's born from the flesh. It's born from bondage. Unless you are born from above, unless you are, your, your life finds its origin in a father that is from above, and not a father that's from beneath, you will not understand what I'm doing. You will understand anything I'm saying. You will understand nothing. Let me give you a good example. Jesus comes to a man that never confessed his sin, that was paralyzed, and tells him, your sins are forgiven you. Can you ever, how can that ever make sense to any person that is born from the law? Because the law says, you, if, you've, if you've got sickness, it means you've got sin. Here Jesus comes, this guy does not confess his sin, he didn't bring a lamb to the priest, there was no ceremony whatsoever, he's just on a stretcher, Jesus says to him, you don't have sin. It doesn't make sense to a person that's, whose life is born from the law. When we are born again or born from above is when our, the life we have and the thought pattern we have originates from the revelation that Jesus took away the sin of the world. Right, we're going to read it right here. Thank you, Jesus. So in Galatians, we see what it means to be born of the flesh. Let me just read it quickly again. For it's written that Abraham had two sons, one of the bondmaid and the other of the free woman. But he who was was of the bondmaid was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman by promise. Which things are an allegory, for these are the two covenants. The one is from Mount Sinai, which genders to bondage, which is Hagar. And Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and answers to Jerusalem, which is now and is in bondage with all her children. But Jerusalem, which is from above, is free, which is the mother of us all. For it's written, Rejoice, you barren that bears not, break forth and cry, that uh, you that travail not. For the desolate shall have more children uh, than he that has a husband. Now we, brethren, um, as Isaac was, are children of the promise. But as then he that was born after the flesh, persecutes him that is born after the Spirit, even so is it today. So what he's saying is, this is in Galatians, this is after the resurrection of Jesus, everything he says, there are people born after the flesh, and there's people, people born after the Spirit. Being born after the flesh means, it talks about the physical Jews that was in Jerusalem, or those that believe in their genealogy, or in the obedience to the law to be a child of God they are born from the flesh. He said to somebody who was born from the flesh, Jesus, you, Ni- you, Nicodemus, one born from the flesh, who was he? A guy who lived a very holy, righteous life, did all good things. If you would ask him, why would you be part of the messianic reign when Jesus comes, he would say, because I pay my tithes, I go to the synagogue, I give to the poor, if, if it was today's, to, to today's life, I give to the, uh, to the association, I help the beggar, and whatever. I remember this one church I was in, the lady said, "She's she whatever she gives the poor is, is going to be something in heaven one day, and she's moved from two rand for a beggar to five rand now, because she wants a bigger crown. So you can buy that crown with five rand. My goodness, what are you saying? You know, it's like, that is, that is a life, it is a good life, but it's born from from the flesh it's not born from the promise promise means God promises you a new life born from the flesh means I'm born as a Jew and I obey all these things then I am like God or righteous or I'll qualify so this person would be someone that would say Nicodemus would be someone that would say I do everything right Jesus said you need to be born again or born from above then verse 7 marvel not he talked to Nicodemus and he said Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it, where it wants, and you hear the sound thereof, but can't, cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Now let me explain that. I, I, I could never understand that verse. And I've studied it for years, I couldn't understand it. But I understood it this morning. <laughs> you know, when I was, I was sitting in bed, and I was just, what I normally do is I prepare the whole message, you know, in, in my mind in the week and uh, study out some verses and then in the morning I put it all together before I come to church. And I sat there and this is what he said. He says, Nicodemus marvel not. He was, because what was he doing? Nicodemus was marveling at what Jesus was saying because what Jesus was saying didn't make sense to him because Jesus was in the Spirit. His life was born from the Spirit. He, he believed that he was the Son of God. He was the one that was from above. And it didn't make sense. He didn't know, Jesus, where do you come from? You know, where are you going with this? Where do you come from with this? Where are you going with this? It doesn't make sense. He says, listen, don't marvel at this. Don't be, don't let your mind be confused about the thing that I say you must be born again. Because when you look at me, it might look as if it doesn't make sense. You go into a a system where it's all legalism and you tell people, listen, I want to tell you something. The sins of the whole world was taken away. Everybody that has ever lived, that lived today and that will live, all the sin of the whole world was taken away in the Lamb of God. You go and say that, it's like, where do you come from with this and where are you going with this? It doesn't make sense. Listen, someone who is born from the Spirit, in other words, someone whose life or whose ministry originates not from the law system, but originates from the promise given by Jesus, Jesus, when you look at Him, it will not make sense because you cannot categorize what He says by law. And this is what Jesus said, even with the, with the new wineskins, you cannot take the, the new wine and put it in old cracked bottles or old wineskins because it will not make sense. You have to have a new way of thinking to bring the new gospel. So when we talk about innocence, when we talk about forgiveness, and we talk about the Lamb of God that took away the sin of the world, we talk about Easter, the resurrection, there's a new wineskin. There's a new th- a platform from where we think and reason. God being born of God or our thought uh, our uh, from where we think originates from The Spirit, In other words, and spirit became such a uh, uh, um, cliché basically, such a thing that we don't know. When it talks about spirit, it talks about the promised life, which will be by the Holy Spirit that indwells us. God promised us His Holy Spirit. What does that mean? When Adam and Eve uh, sinned in the Garden of Eden, they said, we don't want to live by the Ruach of God anymore. We don't want to live by the Spirit anymore. We're going to live by our willpower. But God promised His Spirit again. So that the Spirit can indwell a human being again. So that a human being can sit in the Godhead with God, having fellowship with God again, because of the Spirit that indwells Him. And then a human being, Jesus Christ, came and cancelled out everything Adam ever did. He ended the whole thing and then gave... I mean, the Holy Spirit raised him, Jesus, from the dead, put him in the Godhead, so that we've got the good news that there's a man in the Godhead today. And whosoever believes on this man, what happens to him? He receives the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. <laughs> and when you do that, what happens is you say, your heart, when you hear this good news, you say, I accept the fact that I'm innocent before God because of Jesus, there's nothing separating me, uh, 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 there's no separation between me and God, and I accept His life as my life, the moment you accept the fact that you're accepted, then His Spirit enters your life and gives birth to a life born from the Holy Spirit. Amen. And I like the book of Acts, you know. The book of Acts says this. People believed and they received the Holy Spirit. They believed and they received the Holy Spirit. They didn't receive the Holy Spirit and then believed and then the Spirit manifested. No, no, no. People didn't have the Holy Spirit. Paul says, Have you received the Spirit? Paul asked. You know? So it's not a thing that everybody's got the Holy Spirit and you don't know it. No, no, no. Everybody's been forgiven and they might not know it. And when they believe upon that, they say, I as a free will person, accepts the invitation to the God kind of eternal life. When I accept that, then God says, if you accept this union, the only union we have is the union of the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit that's in God comes into you and you're one with God the way Jesus is one with the Father. And the only platform for relationship is that equality and that absolute uh, 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 Cleanliness and no separation. That's the platform from where all these things happen. So here he comes and he says, Don't marvel that I say to you, you Nicodemus, must be born again. Listen to now Nicodemus doesn't understand, for he's not born of the Spirit. Okay, he's still under the He he tries to categorize Jesus by law. Uh, And this is what he says in verse uh, verse 9. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Okay, he says. he says, listen, don't marvel that I tell you you must be born again. He says, listen, Jesus, how can I be born again? How can I go for a second time into my mother's womb? So what he was thinking is, if you want to be, see the kingdom of God, you must be born a Jew again. Because he was still in the Jewish thing. He says, no, you, you've got, that's not the way. You need to be born from above. You need to be born from, from above. And this is, he says, how can this be, Jesus? then Jesus goes on he says and no man I'm going to read from verse 13 there's two verses I'm not going to spend time on to explain it, verse 13 and no man has ascended up to heaven but he that comes down fro- from heaven even the son of man which is in heaven so what he says is Nicodemus let me explain to you how you can be born again this is what happens no one you, you, you need to be forget the word born again born from above Nicodemus you born from from, from beneath here from the Jewish law system which, sadly, the church embraces all over the world as a way unto salvation or a way to be blessed by God. My goodness. But here he says, you need to be born from above, not born from beneath. You can have a a birth from here, but that means nothing. You need to be born from above. Okay, now, how is that possible? You know, there's no one that has ascended into heaven, you know, but me, the Son of Man. I'm a man that is actually seated in heaven with God and I am from above, I'm not from beneath I'm a human being from above and you need to be born from above so what he was actually saying to Nicodemus he says, Nicodemus you need to be born from me but he didn't understand that he went on to explain, he says and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness even so must the Son of Man be lifted up why? That whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent his Son, uh, sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world but the world so He might be saved. Now listen to this. This is going to be so nice. <laughs> he said, Nicodemus you need to be born from above I'm from above you need to be born from me I'm from above how will this birth take place? you are born from beneath, why? because you believe that you will be a partaker of the of eternal life or the messianic reign when the Jewish Messiah would would have come okay you'll be part of that reign if you are a Jew and obey all the laws you will have eternal life in the reign of the Messiah. He says, but let me tell you something. That's not how you're going to have eternal life. What has to to happen, you'll have to be born from me, which is from above. What will happen to me is, this is the way it works, to be born from above. I will have to be put on a pole or a cross. And as the people looked on the snake that was on the cross, and I'm going to read it now in Numbers, you have to believe in me, and then... You will have eternal life. So he explained very simply how the new birth works. New birth is very simple. You need to see Jesus on the cross, and that is what we're celebrating this weekend, you know. Jesus on the cross and the resurrection. When you can see that, and the word see in the Hebrew there means to look intently with purpose, when we look at it that way, we will find a new life coming from that revelation. You'll be born from the one that is above, that was even raised up from the earth, also above, on a pole, and then resurrected, seated above in the Godhead today. You, your life will be born from that. You need to be born again. You know, as I studied this this week, um, last night, I, got, I just got overwhelmed with a, with a passion of telling people about Jesus that's never heard about Jesus. Because people are living in condemnation. People are living, and I was thinking of Western Zambia and the Africa bush. Because, you know, I've just, I mean, everywhere in the world there's a missions, missions place, you know. Like here, America, Europe, doesn't matter where I go, I see it as a mission trip. But there's something different in preaching to people that's never heard the gospel. You know, and I and, and I was thinking of it there, and I think of people believing in a god called Nyambi, living in the Africa bush, sacrificing animals and children and whatever to this god in the bush because of ignorance, because they want to pay for their god, pay for their sin. They don't know that they are ignorant, uh, that they are uh, innocent because of Jesus. They don't. They are born from their own sacrifices and what they do the peace they have is born from that where they can be born from the revelation of there's a man that he was on a, on a, on a cross that took away their sin gave them complete qualification before God that, there's not, no, that God's not angry with them that God accepts them when they can see the message of their innocence and look intently upon that I find a new life born in them like this from that truth because they're born from the lie so Jesus said to Nicodemus Nicodemus said how can we be born again and I, I, I want to repeat this because I know um, you know guys no, I, I don't just preach for you guys here. there's people watching all over and there's a lot of questions about what it means to be born again um, Nicodemus asked how can we be born again Jesus said it will be difficult for me to explain this to you Nicodemus you know because you you want to understand this from a works perspective and it will be very difficult to explain but let me try and then he said to him, You need to be born from above. I'm from above. I'll go to the cross. You'll have to believe on me. When you believe on me, you'll have a brand new life. You'll have eternal life. Let's look at what happened um, in Numbers 21 with a snake on the pole. The Bible says here, Jesus said, <coughs> As Moses lifted up the serpent, verse 14, in the, in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Now we're going to look at the new birth explained very well here in Numbers 21. And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to, um, to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged by the way. So in other words, they traveled in the desert, a very difficult road. And the people spake against God and against Moses, Wherefore have, and this is what they said, Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread. In other words, they say, we don't have proper food here. Neither is there any water, and our soul loathes or detests this light bread, talking about the manna that fell from heaven. Okay, so what happens? Here the people are in the wilderness, they're going through a hard time, they say the following, we are upset because you took us out of Egypt to make us die in the desert, and we have no proper food or water, and we hate the manna that falls from heaven. And Jesus said, He is the manna that falls from heaven. Okay, so a life outside of belief in Jesus, what happens? Therefore, um, uh, uh, let's read the next verse. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. So when we don't believe in the Lord, okay, we don't, we, there's no joy in the bread that came from heaven, in the finished work of Jesus, the gospel of grace. <clears throat> but we say so we don't want the gospel of grace. We want something more solid. We want something harder to do. You know, it's a, the law. We, we, they were actually longing back to Egypt. What was Egypt? It was talking about bondage. It was talking about being under the law, works righteousness, and all those kind of things. That's what it was talking about. So we want the law. We don't want Jesus. That's what it was actually saying. What happened then? Then snakes came and bit the people. Because Egypt was talking about the snake. It was talking about uh, the, 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 the doctrine of the devil. That was a typology of it. Snakes came and bit them. Listen to what happened here. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray unto the Lord that... Um, that he take away the serpents from us and Moses prayed for the people and the Lord said to Moses make thee a fiery serpent or a bronze serpent and set it on a pole or a cross and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten when he looks upon it shall live and Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole and it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man when he beheld the serpent of brass he lived Okay, Jesus uses this to explain born again. So, when you're bitten by a snake, the little bit of life that's in you is flowing out of you. You're dying. You are a partaker of death. The Bible says the ministration of death was written on stones. It's called the law system. It's called works righteousness. You live a life of death. But the moment you can see the snake, that which bit you, Satan, now, now this can shake somebody's mind, but please hear. When you can see Satan or Satan's work, the snake nailed to the cross, and you can look at that, you can say, this, th- th- "This, I've got a new belief. I believe that the snake has been nailed to the cross. The work of Satan was nailed to the cross. When you can see that, you'll be healed from the venom that this, the, the, the snake had in your life, and you will have a new life so you had a life that life was the life of death but if you could see the life of death which is the law system nailed to a pole then you'll have a new life you'll be born again you're busy dying now now you'll be born again. When will you be born again? When you can see, when you can intently look and say, the lost system, my disqualification, all my sins, everything I've ever done wrong is nailed to a cross, when you see that and you can perceive that, you can say, wow I see that that Jesus was lifted up. He came to take the the form or the work of the snake and nail it to the cross and that represents my death to to, to the cross when you can see and not just see it but look at it intently, with intent. In other words, you look at it with a purpose. I'm looking at it with a purpose to have life born from this. You'll be born again. That is what John 3 teaches, you know. So, for those of you that watch by the internet, study John 3. John 3 teaches those that believe are born of God. Those that believe are born of God. As simple as what it is. The fact, uh, um, uh, um, and, and that's why we preach the gospel. So that people can hear this message. What do we do? We, we paint a picture for every person of a snake on a cross. Okay. We paint the picture when we go to Zambia. When when I uh, uh, w- even if we just go sharing the gospel at an airport or with friends, this is the picture we paint. We have to paint a picture of a snake on a cross, so that that person can look at that and find a life being born from that, that he can be born again. We cannot paint the picture of hell we cannot paint the picture of fear we paint the picture of God's acceptance we paint the picture of the innocence of people you know, I want to say this even in that time there were still many people, I can promise you now that died with with a a snake's venom because they didn't look at the snake on the pole you had to look at the snake on the pole for the venom to be cancelled in your life that's why we preach the gospel of grace, because a life you cannot be born from above if you don't see, if you don't look up. <laughs> if you don't see your life is seated with Christ, the revelation of, of, of God's effort for you. When you look at the flesh, your effort for God and your life is born from that, your life is born from the venom of the snake, you're going to die. Because you are not looking up to the manna that fell from heaven. You say, what the manna, the bread, the life that falls from heaven, which is a free life, I don't want that life. I want the old Egyptian life, the slavery life, talking about the law. What will happen? You will die. You will die. And this was written to people, and just to warn the church, not that I want to bring fear, but just to tell the church, the Bible says, this was said to people that was already let out of Egypt. Meaning that Jesus Christ came and, and, and He led people out of Egypt and after being led out of Egypt, rejecting the manna that fell from heaven, released the poison of the devil, which is the law. So don't think you're going to have a wonderful, peaceful life on this earth in your relationship with God by mixing the grace message with the law message. It will destroy your life. Hallelujah. So we stick to looking at the snake upon the cross. We look, we enjoy the manna that fell from heaven. That is our food. We don't worry about meat. You know, the meat of the law, the quails. We don't want meat. We don't want the bread of slavery. We don't want the security of slavery. We enjoy the manner that is from heaven. John 6, he says, I'm the bread of life that came from heaven. If anybody eats me, what will happen? You will have eternal life. So how are we born again? Very simple. You come to a place in your life where you see, where somebody preaches to you, and you see a snake upon the cross. And what do you do then? Then you look intently at that looking intently to see the curse was taken away from me 2,000 years ago. Look intently at your innocence and say, I make use of this. John explains it in chapter 1 verse 12, Whosoever believes upon Him shall have eternal life. Amen. Whosoever believes upon Him. In other words, when we look at that, if you want to be born again, maybe you're watching this for the first time on the internet, if you want to be born again, this is how simple it is. You look at, the, at, at Jesus that took away the sin of the whole world. He didn't just take away the sin of people who confessed their sins. He took away the sin of everybody, so that we, he represented everybody. He took away the old law life forever. He took away Egypt forever. And what you look at is you look at the revelation that all this was taken away. And then from there you say, this is my life. I agree with Him. He says, this is what He's done for me. I agree with Him. I make use of this life. And that's how you receive His finished work. And from there you'll be born from God. That's how easy it is. Hallelujah. It's, a, it's, it's an acceptance of somebody. The best way I can explain is a, a guy that loves <coughs> a girl He wants to spend his whole life with her, he's treated her well, he's bought her a house, he's bought her a car and everything, and he tells her, listen, here is a ring. Will you marry me? Will you marry me? From my side, it's done. If you want it, it's yours. I don't force myself down on you, but a life married with me can be born, if you're willing that's it and that's what God does to the whole world He comes with a message He doesn't say I bought you a car He says I bought you innocence I bought you righteousness I bought you a seat in the Godhead I bought you freedom from slavery eternal provision because of who I am that is what I have already done for you but because you are of my kind and you're not my slave you will willingly have to make use of this because you are too high for me to force it down on you even Jesus listen Jesus in the Godhead had a re- relationship with the father to a point where he could say to the father I'm coming home I'm not finishing this work I'm coming home I don't want to do this anymore Peter came took a sword you know and and, and try to defend you know he says listen don't you know that I can call for 12 legions of angels to protect me, you know, that this will not happen to me. I can go to my Father right now. I can do it. But I want to save man. And Jesus, in the Godhead, lived with free will all the time while He was in relationship, in the Godhead, seated with God in heavenly places, free will. That's why when we look at people out there, we look at people that's of such high value that they've got free will, that the God of the heavens will come on bended knee, proposing to them, saying to them, I've done it all for you. There's nothing separating me from you. But this is the wonderful thing I invite you at. Let us both look at my son that took away your sin. And if you can look at that and believe upon that, you'll find my life being born in you. And the life of the snake will end... The life of condemnation, the life of being judged, will, will end in you. I've seen it so many times, and, and, and I I mean, I look at, at, at Derek and Nadine's life, you know, which blessed me so much. I, I could just see how they were here, listening to grace, listening to grace, listening to grace, and there came a time when I saw their lives being born from this grace. It's just like, whew, you, you see, con- the, 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 the venom of the snake is left they've looked at the cross with an intent, you know to, to be born from that and you see all of a sudden no fear peace joy excitement born from this and that's what I feel in my life, you know even if there's an area of my life where I don't see this, all I do is I take that area and I envision it nailed to the cross the curse of that, the disqualification of that, nailed, and the venom leaves my life, and that area of my life is born from God. And once we've got this reasoning, and this is what I end off with, once we've got this reasoning in our mind, you know, then we start to understand the gospel. Once we start to reason from the point, your life starts by looking at all disqualification nailed to the cross. Life starts from the platform of perfect innocence, perfect righteousness as a free gift. Life starts f- from realizing you are seated in the Godhead with Christ. That's where your life starts. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And as, our, as Christians, what we do in this world, and, and if you want to call it some spiritual war or whatever it is, this is it to just continue to look at this innocence that's all because there's so many things that want to disqualify us you know you walk into a door or I mean your wife beats you whatever Um, you know you walk into a door and then that says oh yes you know Um, you know I I walked into the door I, I had a bad day yesterday bit of a bad day so I went cycling and I got this flat tire all the time. That's bad. Now you're 20 or 30 k's out of town and you get a flat tire. And you, you know these new, new, new tires are, is tubeless. So it's got the kind of a glue in it all the time that's supposed to if you get any puncture fix it. And it works very well but I, I had a stone cut the side of the tire. So it, the hole was just too big. So, and, and, and then you pump it, and you ride a bit, pump and ride, pump and ride a bit. And then it was a massive, you know, I was always, I was fast enough to miss the storm. But then with the flat tire, you don't miss the storm. You know, so it was raining and everything. Um, I came home, uh, tried to fix, fix the thing, and then there was this, uh, this, this air thing that I tried to, or a, a lever or something, I tried to lift the tire out. It slipped, it hit me on the lip here, and I was bleeding, and then um so i was thinking oh lord maybe i should you know what comes to my mind you know what came to my mind and this is this is the 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 venom of the enemy you know it's a saturday and you're preaching tomorrow you should have studied the scriptures what are you doing fixing a bicycle that's what comes to my mind now what do i do when i hear that i look at the snake on the cross, my innocence, my full qualification, because that's not a word that will be between the Father and the Son, in the Trinity. Amen. It will not be there. Okay? Then, um, they're watching movie, and I'm coming in, I was on the internet, and I, I, I did study, a, a, a study the scriptures. <coughs> I come in home, and it's so dark in the passage, that I can't see anything. They're watching movie and I walk into the door and when I felt like that, I just felt the blood and I just said, you know, oh Lord, thank you. That, that, this is the first thing, that it will, my whole face will not be blue because I'm preaching tomorrow. You know? <laughs> but in my mind, in the back of my mind, there was an accusation. Yeah, you see. You know? just this accusation. And I know it's a very practical thing I say, but every one of us does have those things. You know, when something happens, then there is this accusation that want to come. But my life cannot be born from the snake. I'm not going to base my life on that. I look at the cross, I look at my innocence, and I continue to believe in it. So there's a day when you start to see it for the first time, when you're born for the first time, when you find a change of life come, when you for the first time see that, and all of the enemy's venom is taken out, but the enemy still wants you to reject Christ, reject the manna, because the manna was falling all the time, and these people were then all of a sudden saying, I don't want the manna anymore. So we continue to live by grace. We're not going to entertain Egypt or the law system, mix it with the grace message. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? Thank you, Jesus, for the gospel. Thank that we can be born again and passionately go and preach the gospel to people that's never heard the gospel, that we can spread the word, that people can be born from above and that we can live a life that's born from above. Thank you, Jesus. Now, what I'm going to do is, (coughs) Eliana's going to play a song and um and i want to just I want us to close our eyes and just listen to this song and while while our eyes are closed, I know there are there are people watching via right the web, maybe you are here, and you feel your life was just born from from the law, your life was not born from God, you want to be born from God, you know and and especially for the people on the web, you want to be born from God, I want to pray with you, and then we're going to just um listen to this song. let's close our eyes <coughs> you know if you if you say you know, I just feel the poison of Satan. The poison of... Let, let's not use the word Satan. If you say, I feel the, the poison of condemnation in my life. I don't feel God's quality of life. I feel a, a, um, a life that is just so full of death and condemnation. You've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. You've accepted Moses, willpower. Um, the flesh works, works righteousness as your Savior, as the one that will give you a place in, uh, uh, in the reign of the Messiah or when Jesus comes, I want to tell you, you can be born from God today. 2,000 years ago, a new kind of a man was born, the one that is not justified by works anymore, but by faith in Jesus. And you can find your life today being born from that. So if you want that, <clears throat> all I want you to do is pray this prayer with me. And... Um, You know, this prayer is not a a prayer of sin confession where you try and get rid of your guilt so that God can save you. It's simply a confession of what Christ has done. You can just pray this in your heart and then from this moment, I believe, where you accept this truth, you will find that this truth will give birth to a new life in you. You'll receive the Holy Spirit. You'll be born from the Spirit and not a human will. You can just pray this prayer in your heart. You can say, Lord Jesus... Thank you that you took away all my my sins. I stand innocent before you. Therefore, I come boldly to the throne of grace and I accept the invitation. I come to the wedding feast. I take my place, seated at the banqueting table with you. I receive your life as my life. I make use of your life as my life. I'm a new person from today all the condemnation and sins that I've ever committed is passed away all my human willpower to be saved has passed away now and I'm born from you thank you for giving me your life as my life I accept the gift of righteousness I believe you've washed away all my sins Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that we can receive this truth. Even as I pray this, I just experience your awesome peace. Thank you for that, my God. Thank you for that. And if you've received this via the web or even in, in this meeting here, for the first time in your life, I want to tell you, your life now is born from God. He offered His life to